Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Okay, we want to, uh, I'm going to try to see if I can finish with this question today. From IT 24, uh, 27 to 28. This is supposed to be the continuation of what we're dealing with. And the question again is, according to Mighty 24, 27, Jesus promised that his coming shall be like lightning that flashes across the sky from east to west. And in verse 28, he further said that wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. What does this mean? This is what we'll be dealing with. And uh, uh, last week, I'm sure I tried to explain to us the issue of the movement of the light from the east to the west. And I tried to make us see clearly that the direction of movement is not, I mean, it's trying to talk about how that if you look at a temple, we do realize that to the west is where you find the ark of glory, and then the eastern gate was reserved for God to move in to the temple by his glory. I also tried to make us see that when Jesus said, your temple is left to you desolate, that was an indication that the glory of God was departed from the temple. And any time the glory leaves the temple, the next thing we often see is the destruction of the temple. Because when the glory leaves, the glory speaks of the presence of God, and that's a protection for wherever the temple is. I also try to make us understand that the movement of lightning speaks of two things. It comes in form of judgment, at the same time it comes of glorification. And that when the glory comes into the temple then the temple is glorified. When the glory departs from the temple, judgment comes into the temple. Is that okay? And we try to establish the fact again that when the scripture talks about the cloud coming in the clouds, it's not dealing with some physical cloud up there. It's dealing with, uh, specifically, we find that in the book of Isaiah, it talks about using the, uh, the Assyrians. Ezekiel speaks about Babylon. The clouds coming in are judgment. And then, in AD 70, we'll find that it was referring to the Roman soldiers as instrument of judgment to the unbelieving, wicked Jews at that time. So again, we'll find that this coming as lightning is not only God's move in judgment against the old order of Jerusalem or Judaism using the Roman soldiers, but also the gradual unveiling of His glory, the gospel of the kingdom, and the new nature of people to the world. I want to tell us here again that the great match is on today as the rays of God's life is being manifested. We're going to look at John 1 verse 42. At 45, John chapter 1 verse 45. He says, And he brought into his Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, That are Simon, the son of Jonah, that shall be called Cephas, which is by interpretation, what? A son. John 1.45, I said, not 42. You're making me read something else. The Bible says, Philip found it. Nathaniel and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophet did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So here we find that he said, He is the light of the world. And then we know that Hebrew 1.1 1, 1 defines or describes him. Hebrew 1.2.3 1 describes him as the glory of God. Hallelujah. So again, as the glory of God is moving over the earth through the gospel, the gospel is now what is carrying the glory of His presence wherever we go through the Holy Spirit. Praise the living God. Okay. And when this is going on, we find that these laws are being written in our hearts. Now my emphasis today is going to be the B part of that question, which has to speak about the eagles. The eagles and the carcass. 
And so, Matthew 24 again, let's go back there and read verse 1, and then um, verse 2 to 3, and then um, verse 26, again, don't just maybe 27, we can just take that. But let's look at verse 1 to 3. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And, um, and Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of their coming? And the end of the world. Can we take another translation? Just verse 3. Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all these things happen? What things? The destruction of the temple. What shall be the sign or what shall signal your return and the end of the world? But other translations will use the word the end of the age, which is most precise. The return is not talking about what men call second coming. We have already said that before, isn't it? Very good. So if you look at this, when I was discussing this in the book we call the sign of Christ coming, I used to refer to it as the three but one question. It's one question but in three phases. When will all these things happen? Just because of one statement that he made. Is that okay? Good. What was the statement? All these things you have seen shall be thrown down. So all the questions, the three questions are based on just that one statement. It's like saying, when will it happen? What will be the sign that this thing is about to happen. Is that okay? And what will be the end of the age that we're in, which has to do with the age of the law? So, the three questions are just targeting one thing that Jesus said. They want to find an answer to that. And so, when you start reading that, we said up the four in Luke 21, you'll be able to see precisely what the Bible says, when you see Jerusalem come pass about, so that's the sign is given to them. Is that okay? Very good. When he said, what shall be the sign? He said, okay, when you see Jerusalem come pass about, just know. Is that okay? So he gave them the sign and he gave them the condition on whichever they can be able to find out precisely when these things are about to do what? To happen. The sign was meant for them to escape the judgment. All the signs given. If you take your time to read Luke 21 and so on, you'll be able to see Everything he gave to them was to enable them to escape the judgment that was coming to Jerusalem. And like I said uh, a few days ago, a few weeks ago, maybe during the conference, when you read Matthew, for instance, I think Matthew 5 also said, until heaven and earth pass away, one job of the law shall not be fulfilled. You understand that? Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. So if one job of the law must not go unfulfilled, and we know that all that is said in the law have been fulfilled, what is that supposed to be? That means heaven and earth have passed away. So which heaven and earth was it referring to? And like I said before, if you take time to study, you find that the Jews refer to the temple as heaven and earth. Because essentially, that is where heaven meets with the earth. That's where God's presence is revealed. It speaks of the whole thing. And that is why when you go down to um, Deuteronomy 32, you'll be able to see Moses was talking and he said, here, O heaven, and here, O earth. Now, he wasn't talking to the heaven in terms of what we believe heaven to be. Neither was he talking about the physical cloud, I mean, the atmosphere, maybe trees and all that to listen to him, what he wanted to say. He was speaking to the priesthood and the people. 
So the priest will represent heaven, the people represent earth. Just like you said, as we are bound the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So you find that Christ is heavenly, then we are what? Arty. Are you with me? Adam is arty, Christ is heavenly. So when you said, for instance, here O heaven and here O earth, you're dealing with two classes of people, or two classes of people. The heavenly dwellers and the earthly dwellers. Did you, did you get that? You find the same thing in Revelation 12, when it talked about there was joy in the heaven, and then the scripture now made us understand the devil is causing the uh, woe unto you, the habitats of the earth. Can you get that? Habitats of the earth speaks about people who are not here in the heavenly realm, as it were, because they don't have Christ in them. So, here O heaven and here O earth speaks of two realms of people, two classes of people. Those who are heavenly conscious and those who are earthly conscious. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Alright. So, we'll go back to deal with verse 27. Go to verse 26, 27. Of Matthew 24. Behold, I've told you... Okay. We have told you before, verse 26. Therefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, you see in the desert, go not forth. Behold, send the sacred chambers, believe it not. Verse 27 says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east, shineth even unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you there? So again, let me just tell you briefly, then we'll move down to the issue of the carcass. If I look at the lightning scripture, will prove the fact that it is coming as lightning have nothing to do with comparing his movement to that of literal sun in the sky. For you know that if it were so, all eyes cannot see him at the same time. For all people do not see the sun rising at the same time all over the world. Is it making sense? Are you with me? So when you say all eyes shall see him, now, that is not to say he's comparing himself with the literal sun. Just like the sun rises. Because we do know that all people all over the world do not see the sun rise at the same time. Praise the Lord. So he's coming as lightning. He's only speaking to us of the move of the sun. Who is the son of righteousness. You see that in Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. Talks about those who... Malachi 4 verse 2. Uh, Malachi 4 verse 2. Okay, let's take it from verse 1. Malachi 4 verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stumbled. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name. The first one speaks about judgment now. Unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with what? Healing in his wings. And he shall go forth and grow up as calf of the stone. Now I want to show you something. Go back to, try, let's find this from the Amplified Translation, verse number 2. Verse number 2. Okay. But unto you who reverend and worshipfully fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and his beams. And ye shall go forth and gamble like calves released from the store and leap for joy. Have you watched little goats sometimes? When in the morning you open the gate, you know how the... Oh no, somebody knows how to get behaved. Those little goats. Eh? You see the way they jump, you know. Joy, because they just got freedom. They're coming out. That's what he's saying. When the sun of righteousness arises upon you... When others are in sorrow, when the judgment is going on, you'll be jumping just like those little eagles. Full of joy. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? So now picture this. The sun, as the sun rises, as lightning, you know, from the east and center of the west. So also this, the son of man. Now, I've explained to you, that is coming in terms of judgment to Israel, but for you... Don't put it. Help me, Lord. Now, let me say this. Now, how many of you understand that what killed the people of the world was what saved Noah? 
Are you with me? What killed the wall of Noah? The flood. What raised the ark? The flood. So the fire that will kill, even if people think the fire is going to burn the earth, the fire that burns the earth won't save its people. Praise God. I don't think you have fully what I'm talking about here. That is why you don't have to be worried about what the people of the world are worried about. No, because what is destroying them is what saves you. What killed the people of the days of Noah is what saved Noah. The flood came, drowned the people, the flood came, raised the ark. The more the flood was coming, the higher the ark was going above the flood. Praise God. Are you with me? So here we find that the son of righteousness will arise upon you with healing in his wings. Destroying everything that is contrary to the life of God. And what is released in you is strength, power, and joy. Hallelujah. So we should welcome the light in coming into our lives. Because that's what brings healing to us. That will bring light to us. That will bring joy to us. Strength and power. Praise God. So we have the son of righteousness. Hmm? How again? Here he comes. Subduing all enemies. Not only in relation to the dethroning of the system of Judaism. Then, but also the system of Babylon. The craftiness and deceitfulness in the heart of man, which ought to be the temple of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shock with me, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The hands is deceitfully or deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I used to say this. Sometimes instead of being afraid of the devil, be afraid of your heart. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things. And that includes the devil. You, you are afraid of the devil, but you are not afraid of your heart. <laughs> But you see, your heart can lead you to do things that you are not supposed to do. And you end up thinking it's the devil. In fact, you end up blaming the devil when your heart has deceived you. Be afraid of your heart. And that's why the Bible says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are what? The issues of life. Their life flows from your heart. So keep it. Protect it. Hallelujah. And I look at Revelation chapter 17, 11 and 15. Revelation 17, 11 and 15. Hallelujah. And the beast that was and is not, he is even the eighth and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. Look at verse 15. And he said unto me, The waters with the sawest, where the whore, the prostitute seated, are people. Go back to verse 1 and 2. Revelation 71 and 2. And there came over one of the seven angels, which had the seven vows, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come here, and I will show you unto, show you, unto you the judgment of the great hall that seated upon many waters. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And he said unto me, The water where I saw it, where the horse seated, are people, and multitudes, and nations, and what? Tongues. Waters. Which war? The church system. Mystery Babylon is the church system. We're talking about a church that deceives men, the one that corrupts the heart of men. Don't forget it. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart of man is desperately wicked. Is that okay? And that we are seeing what is controlling the heart of man. Because when you look at verse 1, it said, I'll show you the whore that seated upon many waters. 
What it means is it controls men. Verse 15, define what the water is. The water speaks of what? People and multitudes and nations and what? Tongues. Men that are being controlled by a system that is not of God. The heart of men. Are you listening to me? Now the Bible is saying when the sun of righteousness arises in your heart, all of that which the system of Babylon have been impregnated into your heart with is destroyed, burnt up, you are released from the cage and you begin to move like calves from the soil. Are you there with me? When understanding begins to break forth into your heart and your mind, understanding begins to make you see that wherever you've been before that is not of God, it's like a cage. Now if you take time to read the whole of Revelation 17, you'll be able to see precisely that the Bible says even the trade of these people were the source of men. Have you read that? Article of merchandise. One of the things inclusive. In those articles of merchandise world, the souls of men. Now we're not dealing with that today. But what I'm trying to say is, when the sun of righteousness begins to arise in your heart, there's a liberation that you begin to receive. You're free from the oppression of deception that the system of religion and men have placed you over. Or over you. Okay. Let's get some scriptural backing for this from the parable of the witch and tithes. The Lord said, in the book of Matthew, you remember that, Matthew uh, 13. Uh, I don't know if I can really read all of this. Matthew 13, but let's look at 24 to 30 very, very quickly. Praise the Lord. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable put it forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven... It's like an unto a man who so good seed in his field. But why a man slept, enemy came in and sowed their tars among the weeds and went away. Praise the Lord. Okay, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tears also. So the, 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 the servant of the household came and said unto him, Sir, did thou not sow good seed in the field from whence then had he tears? He said unto them, An enemy had done this. And the servant said unto him, Without them that we go and gather them up. He said, But he said, Lest while you gather up the tithes, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And the time of harvest, I will say unto the reapers, Gather you together first the tithes, bind them into bundles, bond them, but gather the wheat into my band. Now you first get the picture. First gather the tithes. This completely violates the principle of the rapture. The first thing to be gathered are not the wheat, but the tithes. The wicked are always the one removed. Is it there? Can you see it? The wicked are always the ones removed. And then he said, get out the tars. What happened to the tars? Burn them. What about the wheat? With them in the band. Preserve. And Peter writing says, The Lord knew how to preserve the righteous, but to destroy the ungodly. Okay, go to verse 38. Verse 38. And he said, 38 to 42, we're going to read, and he said, The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tithes are the children of the wicked. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tithes are gathered and born in the fire, so also, means we shall be in the end of the age. Just move it. Verse 41. So the man will send for his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of what? Offense. All causes of offense. Person by whom orders. Man, give me King James. Let me, when I ask you to change, you change. 
Son of man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. And then we do iniquity, will come back to amplify. And shall cast them forth into furnace of fire. They shall be willing and acknowledging of what? Of tears. Verse 43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the S-U-N. Malachi 4, 2. In the kingdom of your father, who had ears to hear, let him hear. When the wicked are removed, the same thing is happening simultaneously. The son of righteousness is coming, judgment is taking place, and exhortation is taking place. The wicked are removed, the sons of righteousness are rising and shining in the kingdom of their father. Did you see that? Praise the Lord. Again I said, what destroys the world is what saves you. Even if there are going to be judgment. The judgment may destroy the world, but the judgment produces righteousness in your life. Hallelujah. Did you see anything from this passage? Take time to read it. Let's look at our verse. Amplify 43. Just amplify verse 43. And this is what it says. Then were the righteous, those who are upright and a right standing with God, shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let you have ear to hear the listening and learn consider and perceive and understand by hearing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I want you to pick this. You think about it. I used to say this and I'll say it again and again and again and again. Listen to me. God cannot judge you for the sins of Adam anymore. He judged you in Christ. Did you hear what I said? God can only reward you or judge you as sons. And the judgment that comes to sons is chastisement, not punishment. And the fruit of his chastisement is righteousness. Are you there with me? You listening? In John 15, it talks about the branch that he prunes that he might bring forth what? Much fruit. That's what you should expect from God. You can't expect the judgment that came to Adam or that befall the rest of the mankind to befall you as a child of God. No. You are judged in Christ. You can't be judged for Adam's sins anymore. You can only be judged as a son in the house. Now, this is what happened. You can all be rewarded as a son. You could either gain your or lose your reward as a son. My reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. What is should be expecting is reward, not judgment. This may be strange and hard to you. But as the truth because you were judging Christ. He took your punishment. He took your chastisement. Everything that was supposed to come upon you through Adam, he took it upon himself. You can't be judged again because of Jesus. Is that alright? Are you following? So get it right. Everything here we see is definitely explaining what we're talking about. If Jesus is shining on the burning light, you're also becoming a shining on the burning light. You are the son of righteousness. What are you looking at? What are you coming to become? The son of righteousness. To arise in the kingdom of your father. Joy is coming. Hallelujah. The shining fault of the righteous is directly connected to the removing of the things which does offend in the lives of men and them that do iniquity. False religion, that which is without a law, and the life of Christ. All these have to give way by the coming of the Son of Man. This is why Deborah 
in a song of victory, speaking of the unveiling of God's strength, over his enemies said, So perish all your enemies, Yahweh, and let those who love you be like the sun, when it arises in its strength. Judges 5 verse 31 from the Jerusalem Bible. Let all those who love you arise as the sun in its strength. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Amen. I want you to follow it because it's very important. We need to observe that the sun arises, the enemies, those who hate God by rejecting his laws of life, we do what? Perish. That's what we see there. That's what even Deborah talked about in Judges chapter 5, verse number 31. When the sun arises, his enemies are judged. Malachi 4, the sun is arising, judgment is coming to the wicked, and what happens to the righteous? They begin to jump forth, healing, strength, joy coming to them by reason of the sun that is coming. Praise the living God. King David made this plain when he said, Oh my goodness. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 4. Let me read from the Jerusalem Bible. 2 Samuel 23 verse number 4. He who rules men with justice, who rules in the fear of God, consider the spirit that was is in Christ. It's like morning light at sunrise. On a cloudless morning, making the grass, making the milk of the earth sparkle after the rain. When the sun rises, what happens? The grass will do well. The field will do well. Life is imparted by reason of the sun. Hallelujah. So we find that rising sun has to do with righteous rulership of the Spirit of Christ. That's what we're dealing with. That is exactly what Christ is. Rising out of darkness of men's heart, subduing the Adamic life in men, and bringing them into a new day. The day of the law. Or what we rather call the law's day. Praise the Lord. Which is the realm of the Christ consciousness. The psalmist also described this movement of Christ and his people. When he said, and again I would like us to read from Psalm 19. Let's look at verse 5. Psalm 19, 5 to 6. Which is as a bridegroom. Okay, let's go back a bit. Look at verse 4. Oh, okay, sorry. Let's go to verse 1. Verse 1. Verse 1. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Amen? Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is a speech. I mean, there is no speech, no language, where the voice is not heard. The line is gone out throughout all the earth, and the world to the end of the world. In them has he set forth a tabernacle for what? For the sun. Easy. Just say it. A tabernacle for the sun. In them has he set for a tabernacle for the sun. Let's move on a little bit. Go to verse 5. Which is as a bridegroom. Who is the bridegroom? Who is the bridegroom in the Bible? Christ. Coming out of his chamber. And rejoice it as a strong man to run a race. Verse 6. He is going forth. It's from the end of heaven. And is circuit unto the end of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Hallelujah. That is Christ. He's touching all realms. He's touching everything. Even in your life. His heat is melting. He's touching. Glory to God. He comes out as a bridegroom. He is a bridegroom in the Bible. He's moving on the sun and he's touching all realms with his feet. Praise the living God. So, what was Christ telling us or telling the disciples when he talks about his son? The lightning has come from the west to the east. That they should understand his nature of coming as lightning so that they are not deceived by the false prophet. 
that they should arise during, and they'll be arising at that time, after the tribulation. Praise the Lord. Like you find in Matthew 24, verse 28. For where the carcass is, there will the eagles be what? Gathered together. So again, what can we understand by the above statement? The carcass and the eagles. And let us begin to explain this from the scriptures. We try what we can do. We've got about 10 minutes more for tonight. Praise the Lord. Um, let's go to Job. Job chapter 39, verse 27 to 30. Does the eagle mount up as a command and make a nest on high? She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the cracks of the rock, and a strong place. From then she seeketh the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. Verse 30. Her young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, there is she. Now I want you to see. The simple illustration that Job is giving to us here about the issue of eagles. They make their nest high up. You can touch them. And from that distance, they can see down when they say pray. But they have a victim. Down the valley, they can see from the heights that they made their nest. And what's the next thing they do? They come down, and the Bible says, Her young ones also suck up blood. You know what he's trying to say? Judgment is coming to Jerusalem. For where the carcasses are, there will the eagles be gathered. So it's like saying, The Roman soldiers, spiritually speaking, have already seen that Israel is dead, and the eagles need to feast on them. Are you getting that? Are you with me? <laughs> so, what was dead in my day 24 day? Of course, like I said, the Jewish Old Covenant and its operators, the degenerated Jews, the temple worship and sacrifices thereof was dead. And what was of the eagle? They were the Roman soldiers whose sign was the eagle itself. That was used by God to uproot that evil generation. I would like us to learn from their example that if God will commit himself and his world into us and we will not diligently hack and keep and follow on, he will not hesitate to remove us out of the way and take a people for himself in order to further his glorious plan on the face of the earth. No man should ever rejoice that you are the altogether the full custodian of God's world. And so violate it. No. You can be removed, but God's cause continues. He will raise up other people to continue the same cause that you rejected. Is that okay? I used to tell some of you, <coughs> excuse me, what we're preaching, what we're talking about. I met people in this message in the 90s. They've been in the message in the 70s. Message of the kingdom. And then, when we came up in 1996 to start doing what we're doing, and here the same people come to talk to us and said, This message is too hard for people to believe. And if you preach this message, you suffer. But the best thing is to water it down, is to change it so that people can believe and accept you. And I made them to understand, if this is what God says as you preach, God will glorify His name. All those people who made those statements to me when I came to Wari City here, they've left the town. Even though they try to bring their message down for people to accept them, they are not still accepted. What I'm saying is this. If you stay with what God is giving to you, He will glorify Himself. Hallelujah. If you try to reject what God is giving to you, He gets you out of the way. He takes other people to carry on with what He has in mind. 
Don't forget this. That in every generation, God will never leave himself without what? A witness. There is something that he wants to do on the face of the earth. He's raising the people all over the world. Here, there, and here, all there. And he's impressing it to them what he wants them to proclaim. If God is giving this to you, as you hear my voice today, you are seeing light in what I'm saying. If you choose to turn it around because you want acceptance, God can literally take you out of the way and get other people to go on to do what he wants to do. He can stop his agenda. You'll be the one to lose. You get out of the way. Praise the living God. So here we see the picture. The eagles, the Roman soldiers, they were already coming because the system was already what? Dead. Hallelujah. We have to understand that the dramatic images in the description of the vision as used here in Magic 24-28 occur frequently in the prophetic books. E.g. we can find that in Isaiah chapter 5, 26-27. We can look at that if you want. Let's take a look at that. Isaiah chapter 5, 26-27. Excuse me. The Bible says, And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from afar, and will is unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. Verse 27. None shall be weary, nor stumble among them. Nor shall stumble nor sleep, neither shall the girdle of their loins be loose, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken. Verse 28. Whose arrows are sharp, and all their bows bend. Their horses' hooves shall be counted like flint, and their wings like what? A wild wind. Verse 29. Their roaring shall be like a lion. They shall roar like young lions, yea. They shall roar and lay hold of their prey, and shall carry it away self, and none shall do what? Deliver. Now, this was talking about the invasion of the Assyrians on Israel. Praise the Lord. Did you get that? Okay. Time is not that we can read all of that. You can also go to Isaiah 13, 17 to 18. That the Medo-Patian invaded Israel, Babylon. Jeremiah 4, 7, 13. You can see all of that. Praise the Lord. Amen. No, so we have all of these things right all through the book. We don't have time to read all of this. Go to Ezekiel 23, 22 to 27. Talk about Nineveh. Nineveh that was coming. You go to Nehemiah. You see Nehemiah, rather. 3, 2 to, I mean 2 to 3, you see all of that. So, the time is not there for us to look into all of that. But what I'm trying to make you see is this. Anytime God wants to invade, He takes a people. And what he does is this. He makes his people, he allows his people to be weaker than the people he's bringing because he really wants to conquer them. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Very good. And that's the point. So sometimes you realize again in your own life, if you miss it, if you don't stay with what God really wants you to do or to go on doing, he allows you and he allows the people to come subdue you. So that he can carry on with what he has in mind. We've got to be fearful about God's intention for us. God's mind for us. God's, God's, God's goal and God's message for us. We have to understand it. We have to be peculiar about it. We have to be serious about it. We have to try as much as possible to stay with what he's asked us to do. Irrespective of whether it's popular or not. Do you understand that? You are not going to be rewarded because you're winning the whole world. You are only rewarded because you're faithful. God rewards faithfulness. I've preached that here. He doesn't reward what you call success. It's not his size. I believe in crowd hearing what I'm talking about, but that's not what God rewards. God rewards you being faithful in what he has asked you to do. Scripture said. Enter into your rest, thou faithful servant. It is a thou successful servant. So what is he asking you to do? That's given. 
Stay with what He's asking you to do. Hallelujah. I rejoice today that I have been able to stay with what God gave to me without turning back. And today we can see people coming for it. You see, there's one scripture that always guides me in the book of Proverbs. They buy the truth and sell it not. Have you read that? Buy the truth and sell it not. No matter how long, truth doesn't move as fast as lies. Is that okay? You see what we read in the book of Mark chapter 13? The Bible made us understand that in the end of the age, what you do is to gather the tasks first and burn them. And then gather the weeds we are into burn. But people will tell you that the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to be evacuated. No. The first people are ever, that will ever be removed from the earth are the wicked. Read through the scriptures. There's never a time God takes away righteous people. First is the wicked that God said is going to be removed. Right from the days of Noah, the wicked are the first to go. Then the righteous take care or take charge. How many of you understand the same dominion mandate God gave to Adam, He gave to Noah in Genesis chapter 9? How many of you understand that? And that's when the flood of dried up Noah came down and he said, Have dominion, rule the nation, everything or creature were brought to Adam. The same dominion. Why? Because the wickedness had been removed from the earth. And I'll tell you something on your personal level. When wickedness is removed from your life, dominion is manifested. You have to see it. Practical application. The only thing that stops you from ruling and reigning, from exercising dominion, is wickedness. Once wickedness is removed, dominion is released. When the wicked are removed, no one has power to manifest glory. That's the way it works. And how many of you understand that in true sense, you study the wheat and tares, they are all in the same crop. How many of you know what corn is? Hmm? What do you do with the corn? You pull out the child or the husk of the corn, you eat the, the crumb inside. Am I correct? So the crumb and the child, they are together. So you have chance in your life that God needs to burn to you. <laughs> so that the true son will begin to do what? Arise within your being. Think about that. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay, I think I would like to... Take off from here next week, maybe. So we deal with the issue of... There are so many scriptures, I don't want us to go through all of that. I'm sure you already understand. You understand what I'm talking about. The eagles there was the Roman soldiers. The carcasses there was the dead Jewish people that the eagles need to feast upon. Is that okay? It's so simple. So he's not talking about some, some things that are going to happen tomorrow. This is where parables... Jesus was speaking to people. And the, the, the good thing about it is, how many of you understand that in the true sense, in the book of Job is older than the book of Genesis? It's older. It's one of the oldest books of the Bible. Hmm? Now, you see, sometimes when Jesus speaks, these people truly understand what he's talking about. Is that okay? That's why I think in Luke 16, when he was talking about... Uh, you know, we're discussing money, talking about covetousness, man life does not consider the abundance of the things. The Pharisees were there said, they knew that he was talking about them. He was only speaking in parables, and the people were actually understanding that he was talking to them. So when Jesus was saying these things, the Jewish people understood exactly what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about you, he wasn't talking to you, the Gentiles. Hallelujah. And just like we read in the book of Second Thessalonians, remember the story? And the God of glory shall come with the angels, taking vengeance on them that hate God, that I will not believe the word of God. Remember that? And those who persecute you, say those of you who are persecuted, rest with us when he shall come to be glorified where? In his sins. Think about that. So what are we talking about? Jesus coming as a cloud, a coming in judgment, as lightning, is just a release of the Roman soldiers. To come and destroy Jerusalem in AD 70. And we have always emphasized that. Once you don't have the temple, 
the Jewish religion is over. Is that okay? Are you listening to me? Once you don't have the temple, the strength of the temple is the Jewish temple. I mean, the strength of Judaism is the Jewish temple. So anytime you don't have a Jewish temple, there is no true worship. And the unfortunate thing is this. If you go to the book of Ezra, you go to the book of Nehemiah, you'll be able to see when they came back for captivity, they wanted to worship in the temple and then they brought the book of genealogy. And they were going through. Now, if you are not, your name is more found in the book of genealogy, you cannot officiate as a high priest or as a Levite. Is that okay? In other words, for you to function in the temple, you must trace your genealogy. Now, all those books have been destroyed in the temple. But there are people tell you that you need to go to Jerusalem, that they are going to build another temple. Now you tell me, where are they going to be able to trace their genealogy from? Who will be the high priest to worship in the temple in Jerusalem? How can they trace their genealogy? Because without tracing your genealogy in the book, you can function as a high priest. So it's religious deception. To think that one temple is going to be built in Jerusalem, then there's going to be high priests. Everything will be restored again. And they're talking about the blood of the high, the arches of the high fire that speak of sprinkling. Deception. Babylon. Hallelujah. There is only one high priest. Jesus Christ the Lord. No other one. And the temple is no longer a temple made with hands, but the one made without hands. And God's temple is all over the world. You and I, we are God's temple. Therefore, those that worship the Father must show them in spirit and in truth. That you neither go to the Jerusalem nor in this mountain, but you worship God in spirit and in truth. Wherever you find yourself, that's where true worship takes place. That's the gospel of the Son. According to Romans chapter 1, verse number 9. I'll see you next week. God bless you.